I like that we business. When we, say it with me, when we, why don't you turn to somebody and say, that means you. That's what this revival's all about. All of us getting ourselves ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Why don't you take a moment, welcome somebody into the house of the Lord on a spring break Wednesday night. Amen. Our children are going to slip out while we're doing this. Young people will stay here. Amen. I want to tell you the Lord's doing some great things around here. We're grateful for that. Just about the time you feel like God's done about all that He can do, He shows you He's not even started. Man, I had been in here praying this afternoon, and I asked the Lord for a specific thing. And when I walked out of this auditorium into my office, as soon as I walked in the office, I got a text from somebody That was the exact thing that I had just got through praying for God to give me a word from. So don't think that we're just going through the motions tonight. God's still up to something. Amen. I'm ready to go a little further. I'm ready to climb a little higher. Amen. Now sometimes the farther you get up the mountain, the harder it is to climb. So that means we may have some services that we may have to put a little extra effort into. You know, we've been blessed so far. It's just kind of flowed so deep. It's been kind of scary. But there comes a point where you have to press through some issues. And you've got to make up your mind what you're really hungry for. And I want God to reign on this place. Amen. That's what we began this year praying for. God, send the rain. Send it on this place. Give the Lord praise. Come on, let's magnify the Lord together. We love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God, what a wonderful spirit of the Lord that is in this place tonight. I am so thankful that each and every person here has been doing your part, doing your part, and it all adds up. You know, sometimes sometimes we have a way of having our own little pity party, and we feel inferior. In fact, the psalmist said it like this, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Moses, all he could see was his inferiority. Look how great the kingdom is. Look how big the kingdom is. What can God do through me? Maybe Adam. Let's just use our imagination. Maybe Adam had that argument with God. God, why did you make me out of dirt? You talk about feeling inferior. In fact, 
We use a saying today, make somebody feel like dirt. That means you just make them feel real inferior. You cut them down to size. Maybe Adam said, God, why didn't you make me out of gold? Why didn't you make me out of jasper? Or all of the beautiful gems. Why did you make me out of dirt? And God said, because only dirt could produce a harvest. See, when you start feeling like you're nothing, you just realize only dirt can produce a harvest in the kingdom of God. And our whole purpose in the kingdom is souls. It's souls. We all can do our part, and you have been doing it in this revival. And I want to just come tonight and unload my heart. 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning with verse number 4. I'm not, I'm not an early riser. You know that. I've told you that. And there's nothing that me and God get frustrated over more than when he starts talking to me early. And I lay in bed and I just look up at the ceiling and I preach in my head as God begins to talk to me about things. And thus was today and all day God has spoke to my heart. Also, we'll be going to Romans eight twenty-six, But let's begin reading with verse number 4. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. And prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul. Before the Lord, count not thine handmaiden for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my own complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Heli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Romans 8, 26. Very quickly I read it in your hearing. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. 
For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I want to preach a little while where I feel we're at in this revival on the power of praying in the Spirit. Power praying in the Spirit. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for your spirit that we feel in this place. Lord, you are doing a mighty work in our families, in our church, our communities. And we are so thankful that we are a part of what you're doing. But Lord, we want to do more. We have a desire to know you in a greater way, to be used in a greater fashion. Release us tonight to step into that realm of the Spirit where it's total faith and total trust. We thank you for it. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord right now? Amen. Lord bless you. You can be seated tonight. Power. Praying in the Spirit. Prayer. I cannot emphasize tonight. It is impossible to emphasize the necessity and the value of prayer. Elijah, when he ran from Jezebel, the angel found him under the juniper tree. While under that juniper tree, two things were given to him. And the angel said, Arise, eat and drink. It takes both eating and drinking if you're going to walk in the power of his, of the might that God gives you the the bread is the word and the drink is the or the, is prayer or the spirit it takes bread and it takes breath to walk with God we have to understand that you cannot have a relationship with God without communicating with God now If you were to get married and you started the relationship off like this, honey, I love you, but I don't want to talk to you but maybe once a week. I'm going to tell you, I'm not even going to use the gift of prophecy, that relationship is not going to work out very long. And we look at that in the common sense realm in the flesh and we have the understanding in the flesh, that that relationship is questionable if we just talk to that person once a week. But somehow we we don't make the trip to the spirit world because that applies just as much to the spirit as it does to the flesh. If I just talk to God once a week, it indicates that I don't place high value on that relationship. Prayer is the means whereby that relationship is strengthened. Prayer is the means whereby I find out who God is and I, I develop that relationship. There's, there's all types of prayers. There's all types of praying. In fact, Paul, in speaking to Timothy, he said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We have here different categories of prayer. And if I were to be anything, I would want to be one who knew how to pray. D.L. Moody said this. He said, I would rather be able to pray like David 
than to preach with the eloquence of Gabriel. God taught me when I first started evangelizing. He taught me the value of prayer. I remember preaching. I'd only been preaching just a few months. I went to this one particular church and I had spent all my time trying to get that perfect message, trying to craft that that perfect sermon. And I I wanted to be able to wow people. And and I remember when I first started that sermon, I knew this was fixing to be bad. And and, and I I was looking for a way to close, and I was praying in my own mind. I mean, I was was so embarrassed. This was capital B-A-D, bad. And I remember going to eat lunch, and I kept apologizing to that pastor. I'm just, a, I'm just a rookie evangelist. I never hardly preached. And I kept telling him, Brother, I, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I mean, I just felt bad. I thought we was going to end it right there. He had mercy on me. He encouraged me. And I went back to the church after we got back from lunch, and I stayed there all the way till church time that night. And I buried myself in that little prayer room, and I talked to God, and I poured my soul out to God. God knew my heart. And, I, and I, I told him, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the Lord spoke to me. And I could take you to the spot I was laying in prayer when the Lord spoke to me and said, Tyler, if you'll swap how much time you spend in prayer and how much time you spend on sermons, your altar calls will be a whole lot different. And I realized that I was spending all my time trying to craft some, something that would wow somebody. And then if I had time left over, I was trying to hurry up and pray the fire down. But I realized then and there, and I'm thankful for that lesson, that you can never over pray. In fact, if we're all honest, many times we have under prayed. When you think you've prayed enough, pray a little bit more. Because you will never pray enough. But we have an example. Paul said, let supplication be made. There's nothing wrong with bringing your petition before God. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, this is my need. This is a a situation that I have in my life, and I need your intervention. I need your help. But where where we get bogged down, and this is where supplication becomes wrong, is when the entirety of our prayer time and our communion with God is spent telling God, I need this done, and I need this done. And and we go down the list, and the only thing we've done is told God what to do. That's where supplication becomes wrong. There's nothing wrong with asking God for his help, nothing wrong with trusting and believing that God knows where I'm at, what I need, and has the ability to do it. So supplication is biblical, but then we go into prayers. Now, the word prayers is an all-encompassing word that includes praise. It includes adoration. This is just talking to God and spending time with God, basking in the presence of the Lord. And in the the, the pace, the fast-paced world that we live in, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to turn the phone off and to spend time talking to God. Spend time worshiping and, and say, God, this has nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with you. 
It's got everything to do with how worthy you are, how wonderful you are. And God delights in prayer. Prayer also includes what I call kingdom praying. Where I'm not praying for me, but I'm praying for the kingdom of God. And that's where you step into the realm of binding and loosing. I bind, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so we can operate in the realm of prayer. But then we can step also into the realm of intercession. Intercession is perhaps the most selfless of all praying. Because it's here that you take over in prayer and you begin to pray for other people. You begin to pray for their situations. You begin to pray for their needs. Maybe things that you know and things that you don't know, but rather you begin to pray for other people. And then also giving of thanks. This perhaps is one that I have beat myself up more than anything because we can get so focused on what we don't have that we fail to stop and thank him for what we do have. And there are times that I kick myself in the hide and I say, Tyler, you better stop and just start thanking God. And so I'll, anything I can think of, I'll start thanking God. I thank you. And then I step in over into God. Thank you for what I don't know you kept me from. Thank you for what I don't know you have preserved me from. And I begin to thank God. I thank God. So there's four dimensions of prayer I believe that we ought to exercise often. We ought to pray often. But there is a dimension that we can walk in. And this morning while I was laying in in bed and God woke me up and this is what he began to speak to me. He began to talk to me about being spiritually aggressive. And he said, my people are not aggressive enough in their prayers. They're not aggressive enough in the spirit world. It ought not be that we respond to the spiritual climate that is dictated by the kingdom of darkness, but rather that the kingdom of darkness responds to the spiritual climate dictated by the kingdom of God. We ought not be the ones that are just trying to respond, but rather rather we dictate what happens in the spirit world. The Bible says uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. There has to be something rise up in the hearts of God's people that say it's not enough just to have good church. It's not enough just to have good revival. But there's got to be something shake us to our core that says it's time to get aggressive in the Holy Ghost. It's time to pursue in the spirit of almighty call. There is power when we recognize that we can step into the realm of the spirit in prayer. It's in the realm of the Spirit that things begin to happen. It's in the realm of the Spirit that things begin to shake. And if it's ever revealed to us of what happens when somebody begins to pray in the Spirit, it is revealed to us in this text that we read tonight. Hannah, who was the wife of a man named Elkanah, 
And he had a second wife named Penina. And Hannah's womb was barren. And every time they would go and worship, her adversary, which was Penina, would provoke her, would goad her, would mess with her mind because she had no kids. She had no children. The Bible says her adversary would provoke her. Hear me. I have listened to more than one preacher sitting over supper or visiting in their office. And the adversary was not provoking them about their music. The adversary was not provoking them about their staff. The adversary was not provoking or messing with their mind about anything else in the church except this one thing. Where are the kids in the altar? Where are the new children being born into the kingdom of God? The adversary doesn't care about the music. He doesn't care about how good of a preacher they are. He doesn't care about what kind of programs that you have to help people in the church. But where he's going to target the preacher the most, where's the kids? Where's the new babies? Hannah, you don't have a baby every time they would go to worship. Hannah, you don't have any babies. And the enemy taunted her. And the enemy messed with her mind. And the adversary provoked her until the point where the Bible says that she had to step over from praying in her flesh. And she entered into another realm where she was praying in her soul. She was praying in the spirit. And her husband came over and said, Hannah, what's wrong? Am I not better than ten sons? This is where I have a problem because I've heard people say, when I used to pastor my youth group, this is what they, some, some of them said, I like our little youth group. I don't want nobody coming in. And it ticked me off to the very core because this ain't about just good company. This ain't about just having good church. This is about souls. This is about kids coming into the kingdom. Hannah, am I not better than ten sons? It's not about what kind of company we keep. It's about I want a soul. I want a baby. I want a son. I want to see kids in the altar. Programs don't produce children. Singing doesn't produce children. What happens is somewhere in the heart of a man... They began to long for souls. They began to long for babies. And they began to pray and to cry. And, the, and she reached the point, and this is one day I was, driving down the, I was driving down the road, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Tyler, there are times in the Spirit where only weeping will work. And I began to. Actually, while I was driving, I began to weep because we can get so reliant upon, i got to have this right, and we got to do this right, and we got to have all our ducks in a row here, and we got to have all everything 
being fine-tuned. And I'm thankful for all of that. Please don't misunderstand me. I believe we ought to do our best. But there are times in the Spirit where only weeping will work. There are times in the Holy Ghost where somebody says, I want a baby. I want to see something happen in an altar. And you begin to pray and begin to groan in the Spirit. And the Bible says that you, the Spirit, will begin to pray through you. Do you realize the only way to pray an unbiased prayer is to pray in the Spirit? Because every prayer I pray through English is filtered. It's filtered through how I feel. And it's filtered by what I think. And it's filtered by my past and my likes and my dislikes. But when I step over into the realm of the Spirit... I'm saying, God, you just use me. I'm not telling you what to pray. I'm not telling you how to pray. But I'm just wanting you to to use me. And you begin to pray. And the more you pray in the Spirit, some of you know what I'm talking about. It begins to get stronger. And it begins to well up inside of you. Because God is using that vessel to activate something in the Spirit world. What would happen in this church If somebody began to say, God, I want babies, I want children, I want to see people in the altar, and I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm going to pray in the Spirit, I believe something would happen in the Spirit world. God, shake us to our very core and let us realize that we've got to have children in our altars. We've got to have something happen. I remember speaking to one missionary, and he told me, he said, towards the last last two deputations that he was on, I believe it was the last two, for sure the last one, he said, the Lord would tell me in the office or the prayer room before I went into service, how many people was going to be get, was, was going to receive the Holy Ghost that night? And he said, as soon as I walked in the sanctuary, however, whatever number the Lord told me, God would activate people praying in the Spirit. He said, if it was if the Lord showed me five, he said, I would watch across that congregation and five people would be down praying in the spirit and interceding and pleading with God. He said, if it was three, then there would, there would be three. He said, I never said a word to nobody, but for every soul that was fixing to be born, there would be a, an intercessor or somebody in, the, in, in the, that congregation that was activated in the spirit, uh, and they would begin to plead in the Holy Ghost. Uh, my friend, you never know how God wants to use you in the Holy Ghost. Uh, you never know why the preacher's preaching. You can start praying in the spirit and activating stuff in these altars and in the Holy Ghost. You say, preacher, I want to be used by God. That is being used by God. No, you're not on a pulpit, but I take somebody praying in the Spirit any day, activating something in the Holy Ghost. Billy Cole gets credited with all of these revivals and all of these thousands of people. But what he, what people don't know is he said, I would tell my wife what time I was going to the pulpit and she'd be back home or she'd be in the hotel room. 
And she would get on her face before God. And she would not get up until she knew I was done preaching. And and Billy Cole's preaching is not what activated something in the Holy Ghost. But there was somebody locked in the Spirit praying. And that's what activated something in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying tonight, oh God, stir our souls. Stir our heart. And let us begin to pray in the Spirit. Why don't you begin to reach out right now in the Holy Ghost and begin to pray right now? Come on, Mama, sir. Why don't you begin to pray in the Spirit right now? Oh, God, give us souls. Oh, God, stir our hearts and let us recognize there's power when we step into the realm of the Spirit. There's power when we begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, somewhere in the corridors of your soul, something has to awaken. And we realize that the enemy is messing with our minds because there's not babies being born in our altars. Somewhere in your soul, Mamma, sir, something has to stir your heart and you realize that it's not about just coming to church. It's not about just singing on a platform or teaching a Sunday school class. But somewhere in your spirit, you have to realize that this whole thing is about souls. This whole thing, what good is all of this? If we don't have babies coming into an altar, if we don't have souls, you say, well, preacher, I don't know what I can do. You can go into your closet and you can get lost in prayer. You can go into your closet and you can say, God, I'm not coming out until I have broken through on behalf of some soul. And you realize I would rather take one person that can pray in the Spirit than a hundred people that are happy just coming to church. Stand with me all over the building. I feel a release in the Spirit world. Do you realize, do you realize when Jesus was at the greatest transition in history, The only way it was made possible that he could do it was he found himself in a garden and he got lost in prayer. He prayed so hard that blood began to seep out of his pores. My friend, that was praying in the spirit. But do you realize what was being birthed? The greatest revival. You were being born. Your family was being born. 
This church was being born, and the only way the birth could happen was somebody had to begin to travail in the Spirit. When mothers are fixing to bring forth, that birth is met with great travail. And when a church is fixing to bring forth, there's going to be some sounds in the spirit world. There's going to be some praying. I I would to God you could step out of your pew right now and make your way to an altar. I think our face needs to find a place on this floor. And there needs to be something come out of the depths of our beings. We're not happy just having church. We're not happy just having revival. God, we want souls. Come on, mama. Come on, daddy. Come on, young people. Open up your heart and begin to long for God to do something in the spirit. Don't try to speak English. Just let the spirit pray. Just let your soul 